right? God is good. So we are finishing up. I think we'll finish up today this series on Galatians. And anybody learn anything from Galatians? You know, this is a very um, important book to to keep in mind because I don't care if you um, if you were never in a religious church or if you were never um, legalistic or if you were never you know like like that type of person, you know, um, just the very human nature likes to put us back into, into bondage. And that is, that is when we're following the flesh. And so today we're going to talk about, um, what Galatians five and maybe six, um, is telling us about this because it will change your life forever. Tell the person next to you, this will change your life forever, forever, forever. Okay, so let's start with Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Man, thank you, Jesus. He set us free. That means you were bound, you were a slave to sin, but Christ set you free, right? That's why it's important that we know the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus. What it meant is that he set us free. We were slaves, slaves to sin. We were overpowered by all this stuff. We could not fulfill the law, but he set us what? Say, I am free. free. Okay. And then it says, now make sure that you stay free. Well, and that you don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Isn't that crazy? Like, I don't know, but if a prisoner escapes prison, do you think he would ever go back and be like, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. I just, I couldn't do it. I escaped and, and I just, my conscience won't let me. So here I am, you know, lock me back in. No, right? I mean, he's free, he's gone, right? They're going to have to chase him down like that. It seems silly, right? So why would we, after being set free by Jesus, right, by our faith in Jesus, we've been made righteous with God, put in right standing, said there's nothing you have to do to be right with God except your faith in Jesus. That's it. Why would we ever go back to the law and be like, all right, buckle me up again. Put some chains. This is way too easy. And I want to suggest to you the reason a lot of people do that is because they don't really know the purpose of their freedom. And they can't handle freedom. A lot of people don't know how to handle freedom. So they say, in many aspects and areas of their lives, you know, you know, cuff me, you know, put the chains on my feet again. I can't control myself. I don't know what to do with this much freedom. I need to be told this, 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 do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And that's why so many people prefer to be under religion Because it tells them what to do. It slaps them in the hand when they do what they're not supposed to do. Because they can't handle and they don't know what to do with their freedom. And so therefore, the Bible tells us, they don't need Jesus. It's pointless. They don't need Jesus. They don't need the the, the blood and the cross. and the. They don't need any of that stuff. It's pointless. They make what Jesus did look without reason. Like, what's the point? Oh, no, no, but they'll still go to church. I just still got to go to church because that's, that's what I have to do. 
because I want to go to heaven, right? And so this is what it's saying. It says, you've been set free, truly set free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And we talked about the law being any kind of human effort that we put in in order to feel like we're in right relationship with God, in order to feel like we deserve his promises, in order to feel like we deserve his love, or anything that we do in order to feel like we're paying back at least for the great thing that he did. Even your worship can be religious. Your tithing, your church attending, your serving, all of that could be religious and it could be, un- it could be done under the law if any of the motivation is that you have to do it in order to stay right with God. Like those things are good, but if they're done with the right motive in the right heart, otherwise we're putting ourselves back under the law and back into slavery. Now who wants to go back into slavery? Nobody would say me, but a lot of people act like it. And so... The other thing is, as truth sets us free, Jesus sets us free, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So as we know Jesus, as we know more revelation of his truth in us, we're also set free in different layers, if I could say it that way, right? So if you know that through Jesus now you're saved... You're free from having to perform to earn salvation. You with me? And when you discover also that um, you don't have to be sick because Jesus paid for it, and then you also believe for healing and you receive healing, then you're also set free in that aspect, right? When you also find out that Jesus also became poor so that you might be rich, that you don't have to be poor, then that also sets you free in a new layer, in a new level or area of your life, right? So the more you know Jesus and his truth, the more you are experiencing freedoms that he had already paid for and given you, okay? But we can also go backwards, okay, and tie ourselves back up into the slavery of the law and say like, no, 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 I have to earn my healing. I have to earn you know, the right to, you know, prosper. I have to earn these things and change your mindset and tie yourself back up. So the key is really learning how to manage our freedom and how to walk in God's grace in every aspect of life. You could be set free and have right relationship with God and have a a relationship with God that is about grace and have a marriage that is under the law. Right? You're like, how do we even do that? I don't even know what that looks like. Okay? Well, we'll have to talk that, about that another time, you know? And that's, and that's our, our walk with, with God. You know, that's like, how does marriage, uh, how does grace impact my marriage? How does grace impact my parenting? How does grace impact my finances? How, does, how do I allow grace? Because the thing is that if any of my life is not working under grace, it's working under my own ability And that has a lot of limits. But when I put an area of my life, finance, marriage, parenting, you know, uh, whatever it is, under grace, it works almost effortlessly. 
and way more powerfully. But we need to learn what that looks like. So right now, you know, in Galatians, we're talking about the basics, you know, and the concepts that, that will help us identify when our relationship with God is under performance or if we're resting in that relationship and therefore give us also clues and identifiers that, would, that could look the same in my marriage and my parenting and my finances and my health and whatever it is to know, wait a minute, I might be under the law in this aspect and that's why it's not working and that's why it feels so hard instead of so easy. And don't misunderstand me when I say easy. I don't mean we sit on the couch and do nothing. No, I mean you do things, and we talked about this last week, from a place of rest, from a place of already victory. You already know the end result. You're not wondering what, is gonna, what it's going to be like or if you'll ever have victory in that area because you already know that you got it. And so this is the reason why we spend so much in half a verse. But that's why you need to go home and you need to read the book of Galatians on your own and, and, and remember all these things, okay? It says, uh, verse 2, Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Or if you're counting on your tithing or you're counting on church attendance or if you're counting on serving at church or if you're counting on doing really good things and not cussing outside of the building, if you're counting on, you know, being a good husband and being a good dad and you're counting on, if you are counting on anything else than Jesus to be made right with God, you missed it. You're back into slavery. Are those things good? Yes, they are very, very good, but you cannot count on anything else but Jesus to be made right with God. And then it says, verse 3, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. So saying, if you're going to play by the rules of the law, then you have to make sure you don't break not one of them. And let me tell you, there's hundreds and hundreds of them. So which plan would you like, plan A or plan B? <laughs> I go with Jesus' plan. Right? Because the problem is, if you're like, no, I can do the law. I, you know, I'm a really good person. I will really fulfill the law on my own. Okay, you go ahead and do that. But guess what? Your whole life is going to be about you and you alone because you're going to be watching your every move in order to make sure that you don't break any of the laws. And the minute you break one, you're guilty of all of it. It's over. You want that pressure? It's impossible. So people that Live under religion thinking that, oh, I'm doing good enough. I'm doing really good. Oh, I slipped over here, but I'm doing really good. I'm really going to make it. You know, I really, they're delusional. They don't understand. You're guilty of it all. Like, it's like one and you're done. Who would ever want that? That's why Jesus came. That's why it was such a big deal. It says in verse, uh, verse 4, if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. So when you're counting on anything else other than Jesus to be righteous, to be worthy, to be loved, to have access to all his promises, you've been cut off from grace. Verse 5, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. 
So here's the thing. Freedom, only by our faith in Christ, okay? Righteousness, only by believing in Jesus, okay? Stay free, that's on us. We've been set free, but now we need to make sure we stay free. And that's why we need a daily relationship with God. That's why we need to acknowledge Him in all our ways. That's why we pray and read our Bible, not to be qualified, but to have relationship. And so freedom, stay free. And then it tells us this part right here. It says, if we say circumcision or not circumcision doesn't matter. What matters is faith expressed itself in love. And I was like, hmm, interesting, okay? Faith, it's talking about our faith in Jesus, okay? Expressed in love, not in works, okay? So we're saved and made righteous by faith. Say with me, by faith, okay? That's the way and we become righteous and we're set free is by our faith in Jesus, okay? This is by the Spirit of God. That's how we were made saved. That's how we were made righteous, okay? And it's important that that faith is now expressed in love, okay? Why? Because, see, in the context of this, it's, it's, it's talking about works and falling back into the law and all this stuff. So in other words, a lot of people would want to express their salvation and their faith in works, be like, okay, great, you know, uh, you did this for me, now I have to pay you back. And that becomes the response or the attitude. And it's saying what is important, this is what is very important. Because you've been set free. In other words, you're dangerous. If you're truly free, you're dangerous to make the wrong decision. Because freedom isn't freedom until there's an option to make a mistake. That's why in the Garden of Eden, there was one tree that was the one they were not supposed to eat from. If there was no tree where they weren't supposed to eat from, it wouldn't be true freedom. It'd be a fake freedom. Hey, you're free. Inside these four walls, there's nothing that you can do wrong. There had to be one option of making a mistake, of disobeying, so that it would be true freedom. Are you with me? And so, because we are truly set free, and we're not bound to the law, the law was keeping us from killing ourselves. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't eat this, don't eat that, because you're going to die. Okay? And so, so, Jesus comes, and he takes the guard, and takes the law away, and says, now you're free. And Paul realized this is dangerous. Because you could go self-destruct again. Or you could tie yourself back up into the law. And render the sacrifice of Jesus null and void. Pointless. So he's saying you're free. But this this freedom and this faith needs to now express itself in in love. What does that mean? Your faith in Jesus should express in love for Jesus. Which is what a life of worship and gratitude looks like. 
Are you with me? Okay. You're not. Don't lie. Thank you, babe. All right. Good. Because I said, like, what, what do you mean that what is important is faith expressing itself in love? Faith expressing itself in love is, is, is like what I believe, my faith in Jesus, because that's the faith that it's talking about in this, this whole book. It's the faith in Jesus. The faith in Jesus needs to be expressed in love. You don't have to pay it back. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to tie yourself back to the law. Express it in love. Love for Jesus. And what love for Jesus looks like is that out of love, out of love, I want to be in his presence. Out of love, I want to give. Out of love, I want to worship. Out of love, I want to read my Bible and pray. Out of love, I want to walk with him. Out of love, do you understand what I mean? And so love becomes the motivator for every expression that we do or used to do under the law before. So before we did all these things because we better do these things or else. Now it's saying let this faith in Jesus express itself in love for Jesus. Because it, it is this freedom that scares so many leaders and so many pastors and so many people. It's like we better not tell them they're that free because then they're going to go crazy. It's a double-edged sword. So how do we keep them from going into a crazy sinful life? Well, there's different options. Some put them back into the law, back into religion, right? And that's what we were having here. We were having the Judaizers, you know, and, and the religious folks that were persecuting the new believers and telling them, hey, 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 that's a good thing that you're saved by grace and all this stuff, but you still have to keep the Sabbath and you still have to be circumcised and you still have to eat this and only this and this or else, there's different systems to try to keep people from going crazy. I mean, don't we parents do the same? <laughs> See, there's a clue of how you parent. That's another subject, because that'll, that'll, that'll be a very long bunny trail, but we'll talk about that soon. Um, and so, faith expressed in love, right? I don't want my kids to want to spend time with me because they feel they have to, or they owe it to me because I provide them with a home and food. I don't want my kids to, you know, to be nice to me because they feel obligated I want their faith or their relationship with me to express itself in love and gratitude out of the heart, not out of obligation. Are you with me? That's why it's harder to build a church out of love and gratitude instead of out of obligation and threat. Because you see how easy it is to say, hey, y'all are going to go to hell unless you're here every single Sunday. <laughs> you see my point? <laughs> okay um, um, <laughs> let's go to verse 
13. Okay, verse 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Okay, so we're free. And this freedom is powerful. I mean, especially in, I mean, in the country that we live. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the few countries in the whole world that have so much freedom, right? If you don't know, you need to go to other countries and talk to people from other countries where they're not so free. And you'll understand what I'm talking about. So, so we have a, a good example, right, of freedom in this country. And so what it's telling us here, it says, you're called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Um, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And the whole law is summed up in this. If, if you read the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments, you know, they are in regards to your relationship with God and your relationship with others, Okay. So what, it, what it's saying is Jesus didn't come to, to now remove and say, hey, anything goes. That's fine. No, no, no. He actually came and raised the standard and, and made sure that the motive was right now. Because the motive before was don't break the law or else there will be punishment. Okay? Now Jesus comes and he sets us free, right, and says, now... Walk in love and use your freedom, not to satisfy your fleshly desires, but to love and serve one another. Because that's what he came to do. He came to save, right? Seek and save that which was lost. He came to serve. He came to love us, okay? And so he gave us the example of what we're supposed to do. He's like, now you're free from having to watch your every move in regards to the law, now use that freedom to serve and love one another. And if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're fulfilling the whole law. I mean, if, if you think of the commandments, you know, you, will not, you know, won't, steal, won't steal, won't kill. Uh, no adultery. Why? Why all these things? Because all these things were offenses towards your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to sleep with his wife. So if we're, in other words, if we're letting love lead us, we're going to fulfill more than what was in the law. But out of a place of freedom, not out of a place of slavery, not out of a sense of duty, but out of wanting to love and, le and letting this new faith in Jesus express itself in love, love for God and love for one another. Are you following this? Okay. And so, <clears throat> again, freedom... Not to satisfy the flesh, okay? The law kept people self-centered, okay? Remember this. The law kept everybody very selfish, and it magnified the power of sin. So it appeared as something that was really hard to conquer. Grace isn't just for forgiveness. Grace is for overcoming, okay? Grace helps us overcome Sin, addictions, bad habits, whatever it is, grace is the power of God 
that allows us to overcome sin, that allows us to overcome anything in our life that could be a struggle. We don't need the law. We have the spirit and we have grace. Okay, and grace is that superpower for any situation or any struggle that we might have in our lives. If you tend to talk a lot like me, me, I do this, I did this, I did this already, you know, and I've done everything that I can and things aren't working, it's because you're in the flesh and you're outside of grace. You're operating in your own human effort instead of under the power of grace. Because when we're operating in grace, we are partnering with him in his power to work through our lives. We're walking in the spirit, okay? And so freedom not to satisfy the flesh, but freedom to serve and love one another. And in this, the whole law is completed. It says grace empowers people to be selfless and to overcome sin. See, some... We don't talk a lot about sin here because uh, that's an anti-message. We want to have a, an actual message. See, You know, there's people that uh, build their whole lives and base their whole ministries and their whole uh, companies and everything on what they're against, yeah. right? Well, we're not supposed to do that because then you end up with that same thing in your life. You, you, you want to have a vision, not an anti-vision. When I first started, uh, when, actually, when we first moved into this building, I'll tell you this real quick. When we first moved into this building, um, I, I knew more of what I didn't want to be like and look like than what I wanted to be and look like. So a lot of the message or vision wasn't really a message or a vision. It was an anti-message and an anti-vision. This is what we don't want to be. This is what we don't want to do. And that's all you would hear. You didn't hear we're building a place where people encounter God, belong to a family, and are transformed by the word of God. You didn't hear that. You heard this is what we're not going to do. This is what we're not going to do. And, and because everybody, you know, or a lot of people are hurt about finances, we're not even going to talk about finances. So we robbed people for a couple of years until the light will, you know, went off and, and the Lord showed us vision and what is our message, what is our vision, you know. And so it's the same thing with sin. If you're only talking about what you don't want to do and the sin that you shouldn't do and the sin that is so bad, that becomes the thing that we magnify and it becomes a vision. And so we talk about grace and we talk about the power to overcome sin and bad habits and addictions and all those things because that is what we really need we don't really need to know what we already know that we're doing wrong you already know what's not right you already know that all the things that you should be doing you know and so we want, how do we empower that? You know, there's a few verses, it might have been the verses that I skipped, but it tell, oh no, actually, in, uh, in verse 17, it talks uh, about you are not free to carry out your good intentions. We all have good intentions. Why aren't we free to carry out our good intentions? Because, you know, we're, under the, we're, we're following the flesh and we're not following the spirit. So then we're operating under the law and we're not operating under grace. And so, anyways, that was uh, 
I skipped real quick there, but freedom, okay, not to satisfy the flesh, but freedom to serve and love others, okay? Um, how do we do this? We can only do this through the leading of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we were made a new creation. We have a new spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, okay? And that is the one that now is leading us. But we choose to listen to the Spirit or to listen to the flesh. Well, didn't we die with Christ and we were, yeah, we did. You still live in a body that has bad habits and a soul that is being transformed. Remember, we're a spirit, have a soul, live in a body. Our spirit's been made new, new creation. The sinful nature's been removed, which is why we're no longer slave to sin. But now we have power to overcome sin. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We still have a soul. And the soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And in that soul, there's a lot of programs, mindsets that need breakthrough. A lot of strongholds, a lot of things that we've learned for a long time, right? And we have a body. And between the soul and the body, they want to rule and they want to lead us because they're really loud and they're very tangible, right? We have five senses. And so it's very easy to just be led by what we see, feel, hear, right? Oh, man, I could talk to you about some of the things that I've been struggling with lately. I was free from sugar from January to April. And on my birthday, I got chocolates and desserts and everything. And all of a sudden, the very thing that was conquered, crushed, destroyed by the grace of God, all of a sudden became an easy thing to now do all the time again. Hmm. Some of that muscle memory still remembered, you know, and liked the taste really quick. And so I followed my flesh and my taste buds and my brain that was saying, yes, chocolate-covered raisins, they are so good. And you guys, what I have to do is when I get home, I have to listen to what the Spirit has been telling me, which is dump them. Like, throw them all in the trash can. They need to be gone. Like, <laughs> it's not good for me, you know? I don't want to have all that sugar. It's not good for my body. It's not good for my leg that is healing and, and all this stuff, right? But it is, it is very interesting how clear it is when we're following the flesh and we're following the spirit, right? And so there is... Uh, clues and there's fruits and there's signs and there's alarms that we can be aware of to know where are we sitting, you know? And so uh, I'm going to read a few scriptures and no, we're not going to get to chapter six. So, so verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Okay? So here Paul is going to give us some examples of what is happening. What are the results when we're following the sinful nature? It says, 
sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, um, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that living is like, it means someone who just like, they just made that their lifestyle. They fell off that slippery slope and now they're, they're, they're just following the flesh. They're not following the spirit anymore. It says, but the Holy Spirit, okay, it's not talking about one slip. It's not talking about you made a mistake. It's not talking about, it's talking about like, no, this is somebody who's, this is their lifestyle now, okay? And it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm. I know where I was following, you know, because there was no self-control when I was just like, I've always wanted to do that since I was little, you know? Like when you're little, like you, you want to ration your candy, right? Because you don't know when mom's going to let you have another. When you're an adult, you could just go all out, you know? <laughs> then you find out the pain your mom was trying to save you from. <clears throat> Self-control. There's no law against these things. And it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous one another. See? So since we're living by the Spirit, you know, and, and uh, another part of the chapter here is telling us, um, we started by believing and we started by the Spirit. Why would we now switch over and continue trying to grow by the flesh? In other words, if the most impactful and greatest transformation in our life happened by believing and happened through the Spirit, why would we want to live the rest of our lives by performance following the flesh? See what I'm saying? Salvation, like our spirit was made new. Like that is the greatest transformation can happen in anybody's life is when you accept Jesus in your heart because you're made a new creation and you're given a new spirit. How did it happen? By faith through the spirit. Why would we want to live the rest of our lives by performance following the flesh? Do you understand that makes absolutely no sense? It makes no sense. Why would we switch then? And this is what Paul was so frustrated about. He's like, you guys, you started by the Spirit. You started in grace. Who, who bewitched you? Who tricked you? Who got into your minds and manipulated you to think like now you have to continue living the rest of your life under the law and following the flesh? So that tells us that everything in our life we can continue on and change by faith, by believing and following the Spirit. Everything and anything that you need breakthrough in your life, anything that you need a victory in your life for, anything, 
you should never attempt to do on your own strength or following the flesh or by your own effort. But in all things, you should acknowledge him, right? So that you're doing every, you're parenting by grace. You're being a good husband by grace. You're being a good steward of finances. You're, you're being a, a businessman or an investor or whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing by grace, not by your own human effort. Because why would you continue on doing anything ever in your life by flesh, when the greatest results you've ever had were made by the Spirit and by faith. Hello, are you with me? Do you understand this? So, chair number one, chair number two, chair number three. In chair, chair number one is saved. Say with me, saved. Chair number two is saved. Say with me, saved. Say, chair number three is lost. Say with me, lost. Okay, and so chair number one is led by the spirit. Chair number two is led by the flesh. They're both saved. Okay, chair number one uh, lives the uh, is spirit filled. Chair number two lives in the soulish realm. So it follows emotions and follows the feelings, and and that's how they go. Okay, chair number one, uh, the supernatural is natural. Chair number two, the supernatural is hard. It's only for a few people. Chair number one, they're being transformed by the word. Chair number two, they're being conformed to the world. Chair number one is anointed. Chair number two is annoying. (laughs) Chair number one hears God's voice. Chair number two hears God's voice, but it's filtered through the flesh. And it's not renewed. Chair number one is part of the body of Christ, so they're completing one another. Chair number two, believer, they're competing with one another. Chair number one lives out of the hard work of rest. Mm, The hard work of rest. I like the hard work of rest. You know, chair number two is the hard work of striving, you know. Always trying, trying. Human effort is what I can do. Oh, maybe I should pray about this. Chair number one, sees and treats people according to their destiny. Chair number two, sees and treats people according to their behavior and their past. Chair number one, lives from inheritance. Chair number two, lives for inheritance, trying to earn it. Chair number one, um, burns oil and burns brightly without burning out. Chair number two, burns flesh and smells. And burns out. (laughs) Chair number one lives out of delight. Chair number two lives out of duty. Chair number one lives out of pleasure. Chair number two lives out of pressure. In chair number one, healing is a promise. In chair number two, healing is a problem. In chair number one, wakes up with an A plus on their report card. Chair number two is working their whole life for an A-plus in their report card. See, chair number one, believer, is the one led by the Spirit. It's the place of rest. It's the place where we collaborate with Him. Chair number two, believer, is always striving, always forgetting how to live, how to believe, how to rest in Him. You know, they're under the law. And the problem is that chair number three is what's at stake 
because they don't know Jesus like we know Jesus. And the problem is that chair number three has been in contact with chair number two a lot. So sometimes chair number three goes, oh, I don't want to be a believer. I've been around some chair number twos. So family, we need to know that our freedom has a purpose to love and serve one another and to let our faith express itself through love. That it's a double-edged sword. We're free. We get to choose. Everything we do, we get to choose to love God, to follow Him, you know, to trust Him. And, uh, and that the different fruits in our lives are what is going to tell us which chair we're sitting from, which, which position are we living our life from, you know. It's so much easier to live out of chair number one because that's the grace Grace of God. That's the grace that empowers us to do everything he's called us to do and more. And when he does it, it's amazing. Here in chair number one, we do what God is blessing. In chair number two, we're begging God to bless whatever we're trying to do. Because in chair number one, you acknowledge him in all your ways. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You trust in him with all your heart. You don't lean in your own understanding like chair number two. But in all your ways, you acknowledge him. And he's always making your path straight. You know, I want to walk on a straight path. I don't like the wasting time and taking turns and going up and down and finding a, a detour. Like, you know, chair number one is like, it's like Google GPS. Chair number two is like Siri. Sorry, I did not know that road didn't exist. <laughs> Sorry, I did not know there was a lake there. <laughs> Google knows everything, you know, just so you know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to distract you so badly. Let me pray. We just need to pray. Mm, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And, and this morning, I just ask you guys, would, to each of us, that you would exactly point out and translate in our lives what this looks like. Where in our lives are we relying on our human effort? Where in our lives are we following the flesh and not the spirit? Where in our lives are we living out of chair number two? God, we know that we might not be in chair number one the whole time, but if we go to chair number two, we just want to be quick short visit realize that's not where we belong and go back to chair number one lord and so i just pray that that as we go today as we go in our week that um that your voice would be so present and so loud in our hearts that it would guide us that remind us the things we've learned that it would remind us the revelation you've given us god we want to live out of chair number one we want to live out of rest not out of duty and pressure and striving. Teach us how to live by your grace.
teach us how to live by grace in everything that we do. In everything that we do, God. And to follow your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.